entrepreneurship doesn't need to be hard um, and we don't need to create a job for ourselves. And I think this all comes down to feeling worthy and understanding that the aim of the game is actually to disconnect your effort from your income. Opposite to my parents who had huge amount of effort with little income, we should have the smallest amount of effort possible with the biggest amount of income. You're listening to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, the podcast for coaches, thought leaders, and change makers who are ready to become the standout expert. If that's you, stay tuned because you're in the right place. I'm your host, Samantha Riley, and I want to help you build a successful business sharing your expertise, generate the impact and income you need to create your ideal lifestyle. It's time to make a difference and scale up. Are you ready? Let's enter the lab. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, Jackson. It's great to have you joining me today. It's been, uh, it's been great to, to be here. Looking forward to having a chat. Super looking forward to having a chat with you. We're going to be talking about scaling businesses, increasing profits, supercharging your wealth, financial freedom, all the good stuff. All the good stuff. Yeah. And I love it because you're sitting in a motel room right now, which our lovely friends on the other side of the planet are going to be so jealous of what you're about to do why don't you share why you're there like because i think it's really cool yeah so we work in the the financial freedom space we work with service-based business owners we help them maximize their profit and we help them build personal wealth so they can achieve financial freedom and we talked to we've talked to thousands of clients over the years sam about what financial freedom really means and most of us as entrepreneurs we want to have freedom and flexibility right that's why we got into business in the first place and there's always these big bucket list items that most people have. It's like the three months traveling around Europe or it's the, the big lap of Australia taking a year with the kids to kind of enjoy this, this beautiful country. But most people set this goal of saying, hey, I'm going to do that in five years or I'm going to do it in 10 years or I'm going to do it in 20 years time. And mm-hmm. I always challenge them and I'm like, hey, like, why can't you do that sooner? Like, Why can't you do that now? And there's always an excuse. So about 12 months ago, I kind of got frustrated of constantly trying to explain to people that they could do this. And I said, no, actually, stuff it. I'm going to show you how to do this. Mm-hmm. And I'm within a year, I'm going to create a business that affords me the opportunity to take a year traveling around Australia in a four-wheel drive and running my business from the road. And I'm actually going to document the entire journey. So we're now almost a year on. And as of 30th of March, I'll be hitting the road in my uh, Toyota Troop Carrier that we've titled the Lifestyle Business Tourer. Uh-huh. And I'll be traveling around Australia for a year uh, showing business owners how they can create a true seven-figure lifestyle business. So I'm uh, pretty excited about that. Super exciting. I'm, I'm living on the northern beaches myself. I'm a bit disappointed. I haven't actually seen it in real life yet. I've only seen it on Facebook. But it's looking pretty, pretty special. Yeah, yeah, we're finalizing the last bits of the fit out now, hence why I'm uh, in a motel at the moment. And I must say, I'd much prefer to be in the troopy than in a motel. So I'm, I'm chewing at the bit to get my hands back on it and uh, hit the road. Ah, uh, it's exciting times. Why don't you share a little bit about how you got into what you're doing right now? Like what led you to this path in the first place? Yeah, what's really funny is that the common question I get is, Jackson, you don't look like a typical finance guy. Like there's no blue suit and I've got the beard and the top knot look like a, a mixture of a hipster and a hobo. Um, but I got into this space because of my parents. Um, my parents were business owners. My mum was a hairdresser. She tried to run her salon for many years. My old man was a bit of a dreamer. He tried his hand at every single business that you could possibly imagine and never really stuck to anything long enough to be successful. But what they always taught me as a kid is, Jackson, if you want to be successful in life, you need to work hard for it. 
And this is coming from people that worked 16 hour days for as long as I could possibly remember. Mm-hmm. And look, honestly, if, if hard work meant success and financial freedom, they would have been billionaires. But as we know, that's not how the world works. Mm-hmm. And they struggled for every mm-hmm. single dollar they earned. And very early on, I, I discovered that there was something missing. Like their, their methodology and their strategy just obviously wasn't working because there was a, a big disconnect between their effort and their income. And I realized that I needed to do something to break the mold. And, and I quickly discovered that it, they didn't understand the language of money. So I got on the path to become a financial advisor. And at the age of 19, I got my first role. Um, I was baby-faced. I probably looked about 12 at the time. And I just basically wouldn't take no for an answer. And I was the youngest financial advisor um, in New South Wales. And I got a job as a trainee advisor in this place called the Financial Advice Center. And the, the stark contrast between what I thought advice was and what I discovered it to be was shocking. Mm. Like this place looked like a scene out of the Wolf of Wall Street and like just everything except the midget throwing. It was guys in suits typically who were on the phone selling crappy commission-based products to people like my parents who didn't need them. Mm. And they were just taking advantage. It was predatory. It was a bunch of sharks and that were doing the exact opposite of what I thought I was going to be doing. And I was very quickly fired because I, I didn't want to, 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 I just, my values didn't align and I, I thought I'd made a huge mistake. And I quickly realized it wasn't me who made the mistake. It was just the industry was flawed. And then I very quickly realized that the idea of a financial advisor had been tarred mm-hmm. and I wanted to create this new movement called wealth coaching. And I wanted to help people like my parents understand the language of money and then be able to manufacture financial freedom using their businesses. And then over the course of the last 14 years, we've helped over a thousand clients amass over 1.4 billion in combined wealth using these strategies. Wow. That's so awesome. Congratulations. And I think it's really important to go back and quickly touch on the fact that, you know, work hard, if, if that really was the thing, like, a lot, a lot more people would be millionaires and billionaires right now and that isn't the way that it is and we need to flip our thinking into, you know, what you're going to talk about today. A lot of people talk about financial freedom and getting into their business because that's what they want and just like your parents, there's many people and, you know, just so many people that are stuck in the, I guess, the job part of their business rather than the business owner. Can you talk about the difference between, you know, pretty much buying yourself a job or or creating a job and being a business owner or entrepreneur? Yeah, this comes down to human behavior, Sam. Like uh, there was a study that was done by Stanford University many years back of, of really kind of understanding which people were actually intrinsically motivated to build for their future and who were just kind of people who just like, well, live for the moment, kind of YOLO type of individuals. And I find that many entrepreneurs fall into that bucket because what they kind of found out is they got people and they surveyed thousands of individuals to rate themselves based on two overlapping circles. One circle representing their current self and one circle representing their future self in 10 years or more time. And how closely those circles were overlapped were representative of how connected they felt they were to their future self, meaning that the more closely overlapped, if they didn't do something today for their future, they could almost feel the pain of not achieving those goals. And the vast majority of entrepreneurs aren't necessarily motivated by future. Mm-hmm. We want instant gratification. We want to change things because we're not happy with the status quo. And business is quick, which is why we often position our business as the vehicle of achieving financial freedom. 
But the harsh reality is, is that less than 6% of businesses are successfully sold for a profit, even if they're ever sold at all. So we're trading a nine to five for a steady income for typically a 60, 70, 80 hour week with no certainty around our next paycheck, all for this creating this amazing business that we're hopefully looking to sell for a profit later on down the track. But the harsh reality is it doesn't often happen. Mm. So our whole system is about, yes, your business is your best wealth creation vehicle. But how do we shift it from being a cash-eating monster where we're constantly reinvesting and reinvesting and reinvesting to taking some chips off the table, building the business, but also looking to diversify our wealth to turn it into a cash creation machine and actually make money work for you outside of your business so all of your eggs aren't in one basket? Mm-hmm. It's interesting because I've got a – I'm looking up here, as you can see, because we're on video – I've got a pink post-it note on my pin board that says, I don't work for money, money works for me. Yeah. And that's right there, right in front of me so I can see that all the time because it's such a weird thing that we that we connect work with money. Like, yes, we do need to work for the money. I'm not saying that we don't, but it's not actually connected by the amount of work and the amount of money because I was I was watching a very trashy Australian reality TV show last night where I'm not going to say what it was and and yes I'm guilty I was watching it but one of the girls was taught uh, you know introducing herself and she's like you know I'm going to be a millionaire and he said oh tell me how and she's like well I've got this business and I work 16 hours a day and I grind it out and the first thing I thought was wow yeah. her thinking is flawed because that's what we're taught to think will happen. But A, she's going to burn out and B, she can't do it on her own. Look, this is my biggest bugbear with this whole hustle movement, Sam, is that people wear hard work like a badge of honour. Like My parents, their identity was built around hard work and a lot of their generation mm-hmm. was built off hard work. And, and I think we, we're afforded a tremendous opportunity now, whereas if we go back 100 years, like to start a business, there was huge sunk costs. You had to have a, a factory and all of this equipment and hundreds of staff. Mm. Like, there's no such thing as laptop lifestyle or a lifestyle business. Mm. That's exactly right. But really, over the course of the last kind of 30 or 40 years, there's been a pivot. There's been a shift um, in entrepreneurship doesn't need to be hard. Um, and we don't need to create a job for ourselves. And I think this all comes down to feeling worthy and understanding that the aim of the game is actually to disconnect your effort from your income opposite to my parents who had huge amount of effort with little income, we should have the smallest amount of effort possible with the biggest amount of income. And this is where leverage comes into play of not just trading smart in your business by creating leveraged products and programs, working one to many, but also multiplying your cash flow and your wealth by using investment vehicles. Mm, Totally. So, where, where can we start as business owners and entrepreneurs we we hear the you know scale we you know the word scale we hear the word leverage. Let's go back to where you, you know you were, what you were just saying about taking the chips from the table. What do we have to do first within our business to get to the point that you're yeah. talking about now? We need to flip the switch on how we approach financial freedom, and we need to start with the end in mind and reverse engineer our way backwards. Mm. So one of the first exercises we do with all of our clients is we help them define what we call their F3 figure or their financial freedom figure. Mm -hmm. And it's essentially working out and crunching the numbers on what does your ideal lifestyle look like? The house you want to live in, the school you want to send your kids to, the lifestyle you want to have, what seats in the plane you'd ideally like to fly in, the experiences and the freedoms that you want to have. 
And we should work that out and work out how much do we need per year in order to provide for that lifestyle. Then we need to use the the F3 formula, which is basically whatever that annual figure is, let's call it $200,000 a year. Divide that by five and times that by 100. And that is the mm-hmm. net wealth that we need to create in order to achieve complete financial freedom with enough wealth that would last in perpetuity, meaning that it would never run out. Mm-hmm. And then we need to work backwards from that because there's ultimately three levers that we can pull to achieve that level of net wealth. Mm-hmm. There is the amount that we can contribute to that. So we need surplus or profits that we can above and beyond our lifestyle expenses to invest. Mm-hmm. There is the risk that we're prepared to take. So where are we looking to invest that money? Mm-hmm. Is it in property? Is it in shares? Is it in other businesses? Is it cryptocurrency? Whatever you're comfortable with. And then the third one is how long are you prepared to wait? Because mm-hmm. those are the only three levers that we can pull here. Mm. And what that allows us to work out, and actually the easiest lever to pull, is the contribution lever. Mm-hmm. We scale our business to work out how much surplus or profit we need to have that will allow us to manufacture true financial freedom within the time that we want. And for most of our clients, ideally that's 10 years or less. Mm. It's amazing how little that number is. I know my business coach, oh gosh, a long time ago now, probably 20 years ago, actually sat us down and said, you know, what's that number? And to be honest, I'd never thought about it until that point. And it was such a cool exercise to sit down and really work it out. And it took us quite a while because we're also working out what's that number that we want to be putting in to keep growing our wealth. And the number was a lot smaller than I thought it would be. How often do you find that that number's smaller than what people think that they're aiming for? Always. It's always smaller. Always. (laughs) Always. <laughs> we find the median here and like our mantra for our clients, we set really four key North Stars. And funnily enough, they all start with a four. We aim to get a business that produces them $400,000 a year in profit or more, mm-hmm. allows them to work four days a week and 44 weeks a year, mm-hmm. and that fast tracks their way to $4 million in net wealth. Mm-hmm. Because $4 million in net wealth should provide us with at least $200,000 a year in passive income. Mm-hmm. So if we've got that, plus we're in our business that we love, that we haven't created a job for ourselves and we've got freedom and flexibility, then what more could you want? Yeah, and that's a really good point because a lot of us don't actually want to retire. Like we don't want to be working 16-hour days, seven days a week for the rest of our life. Like don't get me wrong. But most of us are fueled by the impact that we want to create. So it's actually – so having that conversation of, well, it's not about retiring and walking away. It's about setting yourself up financially. I feel that that would almost give many people that, oh, okay, all right, now we're on the right track. And this goes back to what you were talking yeah. about before of knowing exactly what it is that you want. And this is the thing, like we're, as entrepreneurs, we always work well to targets. It's like why we all need a coach or we all need a mentor because they kind of set that bar that little bit higher and gets us out of that, that comfort zone, create a little bit of friction, and then that's where the growth happens. Mm-hmm. And the same thing happens with this. is just most people don't have that figure that they're chasing or the figure that they're chasing is more of an ego thing yeah. of something that they feel like that's what society tells them they need to create. And they're not invested in it. So therefore, it makes it a whole lot difficult, more difficult to muster up the strength and the energy and the determination to stick the course. Mm. But if we've got a plan that is intrinsically unique to you and your family and what your aspirations are, then the difference is that, okay, if I do the activity and I follow all of these paths and I, I tick these boxes, then I will presuppose the outcome. And then it's just a matter of, is the outcome important enough to you? Yeah. And then more often than not, when we do this, our clients increase their performance both personally and in their business 
drastically because they've got a path a plan to follow and there's no anxiety they know exactly what they're doing and why mm. and that no anxiety like it's amazing how much that can hold us back subconsciously you know like maybe and it all does come back to that setting someone else's goals like that person over there they're doing this thing so i should do that too and i see often people almost like really pushing uphill like really grinding away to create programs that they actually don't feel really comfortable about or aren't aligned with you know how they want to be working or the life that they want to be living how much do you work with people getting their business model right yeah we, we definitely do and i think the first thing is we need to understand what are the, the motivations because like for example myself i'm not money motivated which comes at a surprise to many people because i'm the, the i'm the wealth mentor i'm the money guy but i found for a very long time earlier in my career i was chasing money because i thought that was what was necessary but i found that i was constantly falling short of my goals because when i really dug deep about it and then did some soul searching and thought about it Money was just the vehicle. It wasn't the main motivator for me. What was really important was lifestyle mm -hmm. and being able to buy the things that I went without as a child mm -hmm. and being able to, to have that money of not having to worry about buying the things that make me happy and that give me purpose and fill me with joy and, and really fill my cup was so important. So once I understood those drivers, then I could reverse engineer this backwards. And this allowed me to design a, a business that allowed me to fulfill those goals mm. because business model is so important like there are some business models that are not conducive to you creating the type of freedom and fulfillment that you want in life mm. totally so once we know that that's what whatever business model is that we want to do what are some of the ways that we can start really increasing those profits what are the levers that we need to pull what do we need to start looking at and what do we need to make sure is in place for us to be able to start pulling those chips off the table, as you say? Yeah, great question. So the first thing is about having a cash flow structure um, or a financial operating system. The number one problem that most business owners have is they have no mechanism for cash flow control. Mm -hmm. And as a result, they're plagued by a behavioral principle called Parkinson's law. Mm -hmm. So Parkinson's law basically states that as a human being, we use the means that we have available. So the more means we have, more means we use. And we've got to realize that there's a substantial amount of money that passes through our business, so typically far exceeding what we, what we have coming through our personal bank accounts. Mm -hmm. So unless we've got buckets set up where we can segment that money and make sure we can limit the means we actually have to spend, those means just get consumed. And we call it cash flow creep. Mm -hmm. we, we go from one month and the next month we've got more cash flow, but we never seem to have any more money to show for it because the expenses just adjust. So what we do is we implement a system called Profit First. Mm -hmm. uh, funnily enough, I had a, a mastermind session this morning with Mike Michalowicz, the author, um, and Profit First is a phenomenal book. Even if you, you think it's going to be super boring, Mike is really entertaining, um, a great author. His book is phenomenal, so make sure that you check it out. But what it basically means is we set up a series of buckets in your business. We have our main account, which is our income account. That's where money comes into. It's the serving plate. We don't eat off it. Mm -hmm. We only use it to sweep money into our other buckets. Next account we've got is a cost of sales. So if you have variable costs in your business, you run events, you've got subcontractors, you've got materials or suppliers, we need to segment an amount of money away because that's technically not your money. We need to make sure that we've put that aside, that we can pay those suppliers and, and subcontractors and so on and so forth, which results in real revenue, your actual revenue in your business. And then that real revenue needs to be divvied up between one of four buckets. We've got our OPEX or our operating expenses, 
the fixed expenses for running your business. We've got your owner's pay, paying your number one employee, which is you in your business. Mm -hmm. We've got a tax bucket, making sure that we've always put enough money away for the tax man. And then we've got a profit bucket that we're making sure that we remunerate you as a shareholder in your business because you should get two paychecks because you take a lot of risk as a business owner. So you deserve to be paid twice. Mm. And the aim of this is that we just sweep this out. And the most important thing is that we put money in the profit bucket first. I love that. I find profit first really, I've actually, I find it really interesting. I've interviewed quite a few people on it. I would, I'm going to throw sure. something to you. I know that if I had have followed profit first, my first business would not have taken off in the way that it did because I didn't use profit first right mm. from day one. I was putting back money, a lot of money back into my business, which meant that it was turning seven figures within six years. And this was back in the 90s. Yep. I would love to hear your take on that because of, it's just a personal belief, but I would love to hear from you. You're the finance guy and I am so not. <laughs> yeah. Personally, I had that same belief for a very long time, but I, I, I committed to following the structure as it was intended. And I wanted to see if it actually limited the growth of our business and also limited the growth of our clients' businesses. And we've been fortunate enough to work with thousands of clients now and been able to do hundreds of profit first rollouts. And what we've actually found is that businesses who implement profit first and follow it as it's intended and then strategically use the means that they have available to grow and scale their business tends to grow at either the same rate or exceed the rate of growth because they are more intentional with their, their growth that they're pursuing. Mm. They are carefully considering the return on investment of putting that money back into the business. They're growing lean. They're, they're looking for ways to innovate and really challenge the status quo of the way that they grow. Because one of the biggest issues with high growth businesses is cash burn. Mm -hmm. When we're scaling, we know we're going to burn cash when we're scaling teams. You know, and when we use Profit First whilst scaling, we can do so in a way that is lean, intentional, and that we're not just allowing Parkinson's law to consume cash flow for the sake of it. Mm. So, uh, so, and we've used Profit First for the last three years. And over this time, we, we've scaled a multi-seven-figure business with, with a team of 27, um, all whilst paying 50% of our profits out as distributions, allowing us to buy our commercial premises in our business, um, set up our own internal funds management business that we manage our own money. Mm -hmm. um, and also build a substantial amount of wealth in our own names. Love it. Love it so much. So we can have our cake and eat it too. <laughs> yeah, nice. And who doesn't want cake and eat it? <laughs> exactly. 100%. Cake's no fun when it's sitting on the table. <laughs> All right. So once we've, we're scaling, increasing profits, then what do we need to think of to be able to increase that wealth? You call it supercharge your wealth. You know, that's the next thing. What, where do we need to start looking at? Because I'm also getting the idea that we should be educated before we actually get to that point as well. 100%. So the first thing, point of education, still focusing on the business, is understanding the seven levers. Um, seven levers of cash flow and profit are things that many business owners overlook. And they normally revert to pulling one lever over and over again, which is their volume lever. More clients, more clients, more clients. Mm -hmm. What we're going to realize is that bringing on more clients into your business is actually expensive. And mm -hmm. um, when you bring on a new client, it's normally the most expensive part. It's, as, as we've always heard, it's always better to say, retain an existing client than to win a new one. 
But what we've also got to consider is the other levers, the other six levers. So the next lever we've got is price. And it's a lever that business owners don't pull often enough. Mm-hmm. And like we all know we should increase our price, but most of us don't understand what actual impact that it has to our individual business when we pull that lever. So what we actually help our clients do is we help them work out, well, if you increase your volume by, say, 10%, what impact does that have to your profit and cash flow? Compared to if you increase your price by 10%, what impact does that have? Then the remaining five levers, we've got your direct costs. Can we negotiate better deals with your suppliers, your events, and any of your variable cost of sales to reduce that? Because that has one of the highest sensitivities to your profitability and cash flow. Next, we've got your direct, we've got your operating costs, your OPEX. Is there subscriptions that you've got for software that you haven't used in a year that you just haven't got around to cancelling? Are there things that you can negotiate with your utilities suppliers or your landlord? Could you buy your own commercial premises, which reduces your OPEX? Then we've got your uh, your accounts receivable. So if you are invoicing on account, how long does it take for you to collect those invoices? We then got your work in progress. How long does it take you to deliver if you're in a project-based business? Can we reduce that delivery timeline and get paid faster? And then accounts payable days. Can we negotiate better terms with your suppliers to use their bank balance to grow your business, meaning that you can have that money in your account for longer? Mm, mm. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And investments. You mentioned property, you mentioned shares, crypto, lots of different things that we can do. What's your initial recommendation for where we start? Because for me, I feel like I have no idea about crypto. So for me, it would not be a smart move. I agree. Because I have no idea about it. <laughs> and I'm not a fan of it either, Sam. I, I'm a value investor. So I look to invest in things that have true intrinsic value and that we can understand that value through understanding the fundamentals that drive growth. And my belief is that there are only three ways to make money predictably in this world. There is small business, not just your business that you have, but potentially using your skill set to negotiate or acquire equity in other businesses that either mm-hmm. you could add value to your existing clients um, or that you could uplift through your skill set. Mm-hmm. Second thing is property. Good quality blue chip property in highly desirable areas that have affluent tenants that we can set and forget. Mm-hmm. Because in Australia or really all, of, all around the world in good quality areas, if the fundamentals of property stack up, properties will always go up. Mm-hmm. And the third thing is good quality shares. And we normally do that through index investments and ETFs. We don't stock pick because as entrepreneurs, we don't have time. And I often find that if we've got a sophisticated investment strategy as an entrepreneur, one of two things happens. One, you end up punting because you don't have time and you feel like you're missing out and emotion comes into play. Or two, mm-hmm. we end up accumulating all of this cash and the anxiety of allocating that cash gets too great and we end up doing nothing and we miss the opportunity altogether. Mm. So we help our clients create an investment operating system. Systematically look to buy a property every year mm-hmm. and then in between we look to dollar cost average into index funds or ETFs that allow us to get the average of however the market performs at an extremely low mm-hmm. cost. No stock picking, no speculation, just tried and true strategies. So on that, as business owners, even if we have set up a lifestyle business, we're still busy yeah. doing things. Like we're not sitting on a beach drinking cocktails. As exactly. much as there are some people that like to say that it's like that, it generally isn't like that. 
how much do you suggest a biz like someone should put into setting this up themselves as opposed to having other people help yeah. them do it? Because the education piece takes so much time. Yeah, look, it's if you keep it basic, it doesn't take as much time as you might think. And mm-hmm. um, we go through a really rigorous foundation setting up process with all of our clients to help them get the fundamentals right. Because I believe it's so important as a business owner to understand that. That business is finance and finance is business. If you if you want to have a successful business, you want to have a, a good life and you want to have the freedom and fulfillment that you want, you need to understand the fundamentals of finance. It doesn't need to be boring and it doesn't need to be sophisticated or complex. You're just understanding really six basic principles and then you can pretty much do it all yourself. And with those principles, we can amass millions and millions of dollars in, in wealth. And reality is we can start with as little as $200 a month. Like, I had a story recently at a client that I've been working with for the last couple of years who, who runs a 10-figure business. It's a, it's a huge business. Mm-hmm. He earns millions and millions of dollars a year in personal income, but he has never invested a dollar. Wow. Um, he's squandered it all. He's got a big house that costs him an absolute bomb. He drives um, the fancy cars. And he goes on flying at the pointy end of the plane. And the big issue that he found is that he was constantly deferring. I'm going to start investing next year. I'm going to live it. I'm going to live the dream now. Um, I'll deal with that next year. I'm going to make millions. I'm going to make even more next year than what I'm making this year. But that anxiety that I was talking about built up. He had cash accumulating. He hadn't deployed it. He felt like he was falling behind. His peers were outperforming him and he needed help. Mm-hmm. When we first started working together, we set these fundamentals up. I said, mate, do you, are you going to miss $200 a month? This is a guy earning multi-millions. He goes, no, I spend more than $200 yeah, yeah. a month on going out to brunch. And they go, okay, cool. We're going to start really small. And all we're trying to do is to get the muscle memory to break the ice. Okay, cool. I'll do that. Mm-hmm. And we started. It was insignificant. And then the next week he reached out and goes, let's put it up to 500. Okay, let's put it to 1,000. Let's put it to 2,000. Let's put it to 5,000. Let's put it to 10,000 a month. And that's where he's at now, mm-hmm. which... The grand scheme of things, 120000 a year for this guy is still a drop in the ocean, but it was the mm-hmm. first $200 invested that broke the ice and created the momentum. And I have no doubt that by mm-hmm. next year, he'll probably be investing 100000 a month. But it's a compounding exercise. Mm. Yeah, because totally, because as you start to see it working, yeah. it gets exciting. I know that from even when I was starting to pay my house down, I, I started off by paying you know, weekly payments. And then I saw, you know, then let's do an extra, you know, someone had said do an extra 100 a month. And I'm like, nah, let's do an extra 100 a week. And then the more you see that number coming down and and it is almost compulsive to go, how much more can I find here to put in? Because I want to see that number come exactly. down faster. So it, it's a lot easier once you get going. 100%. And it's just breaking that ice. And here's the thing. As entrepreneurs, we love to kind of gamify this kind of stuff. And we love the, the kind of the dopamine hit yeah. of when we start to see it grow and, uh-huh. and things working. So it's just break that ice, keep it really simple. And, and these are the things that we work with our clients because most people just make it more complex what it needs to be and they end up doing more harm than good. Totally. Now, I believe that you have a performance scorecard that you um, that you recommend. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is and about how we can get it even more importantly? Yeah, definitely. So we've worked with thousands of businesses now and we identify the top 40 things that business owners need to be doing to create a high performance, high profit, high cash flow business that sets them up for creating financial freedom in 10 years or less. 
What's really scary, Sam, is that the average score out of 40 is 18, meaning that most businesses are below par. Mm -hmm. But I know that might sound a little bit scary. What we've found is that most people in the first 30 days of doing the scorecard are able to add at least 10 points to that to get them from below average to above average. And it's just about having that clarity around what are the low-hanging fruit they can address. So it takes about five minutes to mm -hmm. complete. Um, it'll give you a little bit of a survey at the end, and it'll give you some insights around what you've got to do. Um, so we'll include the link in the show notes. Um, however, if you go to bit.ly, so bit.ly forward slash Aureus, uh, capital A, U-R-E-U-S, uh, scorecard, capital S, uh, and it'll basically take you through to the quiz, and you'll essentially go through it, take you five minutes, and we'll give you some detailed insights around what you need to do to make more profit, more cash flow, and build more personal wealth. So we'll make sure we include a link in the show notes uh, so you can get access to that. Link will definitely be in the show notes as always and in the episode companion so that you can go and get a copy of that. As you say, it's it can be daunting when you first see those numbers, but unless we understand where we are right now, there's no way that we can move forward. Um, so just having that understanding of, all right, well, this is where I'm at. This is what I can do to move forward is, well, a step in the right direction, exactly. right? <laughs> awesome. Jackson, if there was one thing that you can leave our listeners with today to help them move forward and think about their wealth in a different way, what would that be? I think the most important thing is just realize you're running your own race and um, never feel like you're falling behind or it's too late or you can't catch up or it's hopeless. Um, as Confucius famously said, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is today. Um, so now that you've got the, the, the proximity, this has been brought to your attention, you've completed the scorecard, then let's just focus on progress over perfection and just start pushing this forward. And you'd be really surprised how quickly you can start manufacturing true financial freedom using your business. Jackson, thank you so much. You have talked about a topic today that is near and dear to my heart, I believe. And as we mentioned before we started recording, that when people are creating businesses that they truly love, they know they're creating an impact and they're able to look after their family and live in a way that they want, then imagine if we all could do that, how different the world would be. Like this is just so huge and it is available at our fingertips. You know, it wasn't 30, 40 years ago and it is now. So um, we're in a very, very special time. We're very lucky to be in this, to be around in this time. So to not really do anything about it would be to squander an awesome opportunity. I agree more. So. Thank you so much for coming and chatting to us about this today. I so appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Today's episode may be over, but let's continue the conversation. Head on over to the Thought Leaders Business Lab community on Facebook and connect with other entrepreneurs who are building and scaling their business too. See you next time in the Thought Leaders Business Lab.